Reading today is from John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, 
Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound <clears throat> with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Word of God, word of life. Jenny. Let's pray. Uh, God, we come here because we need to hear what you think about death and what you think about life and what that means for us today. So speak, we trust in your spirit and we come even in our doubt and our wonderings and with our questions, amen. There is a bench right out here on the corner of Larch and Old Rockford Road its advertising insert at one time said, with you when you have more questions than answers. I think it was Wells Fargo who coined that phrase many years ago. But I think if God had an advertising campaign, that would be the perfect line. With you when you have more questions than answers. I have more questions than answers today. How about you? And I'm just going to open it up for a minute. If you're online and you have a question about this gospel, type it in and I will read it. And I invite you, as you sat here so patiently as Jenny read all these verses, what is it that you are wondering about in this story? Just raise your hand and speak. And I'll repeat it so people online can hear. What questions do you have? Yeah, Keith. Yeah, if Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus, then why did he cry? Why was there weeping if he knew he would live? John. I know, what the heck, Jesus? You hear that he's sick, and then you wait. Yeah, Don. Why is it so hard for people, for us to believe? Why is it so hard for people to believe? 
to check online. I'm wondering what a dead body looks like after four days. How does Lazarus, who was dead, I mean, four days you're dead. You're not kind of dead, you're dead. All of a sudden can get up and walk. What does that body look like? So, of all the miraculous power that Jesus has revealed thus far in his ministry, it is clear to this that death can't be skipped. It can't be eliminated. In fact, our mortality that we smudged on our foreheads at the beginning of Lent with these words, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It also seems that this story tells us that we can't avoid the grief of death either. Now, all of us have our way of tending to grief or not. We can deny it. We can numb it with booze. We can figure out these replacement relationships to fill a gap. We can get really busy trying not to think about it. But grief has a way of coming out sideways and upside down. And we grieve because death changes the way things have been and the way that we have loved life. And death changes us. And we even see that in Jesus. He has to look Mary straight in the eye and not skirt the really hard question that holds within it disappointment, sadness, anger, and accusation. If you were here, Jesus, my brother would not have died. Where were you, Jesus? Why did you wait, Jesus? How could this have been avoided? How could you, Jesus? We call it kairos, the Greek word for the opportune time, God's timing. The Psalms from a thousand years ago are filled with the, that cry, how long, God, why, God? Ecclesiastes, the book of wisdom, holds verses in the third chapter. To everything there is a season, a time to be born, a time to die but we quickly realize that we cannot, on our own, hold the timing or the particularities of when and how these seasons of life will turn. We can't control it. We wanna control it. Just think throughout history, from the Holocaust to the invasion of Ukraine, from the details of your own life stories and of your families, and, have, and how we have asked that same question. Where were you, Jesus? Where are you, Jesus? What is this timeline you were on? If you would have been there, it just can't make sense. Jesus doesn't ever answer Mary's question. Instead, it's all nonverbal. The narrator tells us Jesus was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved, and Jesus began weeping. 
I don't know about you, but I can hold it together. But the minute I see someone else crying, flood. Jesus is weeping as he sees a community in grief. Weeping as he realized the gut-wrenching events that he has missed out on that took place over these four days. Weeping for Mary, for Martha, for the death of his friend, for a community who gathers in their grief to comfort one another. And I think Jesus sees firsthand the impact of death. And quite possibly, although we're not told, Jesus may be weeping because he knows his death will come soon. The very human Jesus feels the ache in his gut, the burn as tears pooled and fell from his eyes. Now, tears can be a sign of sadness, but I have learned from a wise one that tears are also a sign that something meaningful or significant is moving within us. Tears are the same living water that stream from Mary and Martha's eyes and also Jesus. The living water that Jesus promised to the woman at the well is now being poured out through God's eyes. The questions still remain, death still comes, but God's presence doesn't waver in the vulnerability and awkwardness. And Jesus is willing to stay there, to see and to stay with human suffering, and from that, speak to bring resurrection. But we can't get to resurrection without the questioning, the doubt, the tears, the grief. Now, after Lazarus dead for four days and gets up and walks out of the tomb, Jesus says to the community gathered, unbind him and let him go. Resurrection is not complete without the unbinding. And God invites us to do that work. Death is a common denominator, our own mortality, of course, but also stories of death are layers of grief. Have you ever wondered what is moving deep within a person when you see them cry? We think we may know, but we probably don't. What is the living water that stirring and what is that story? Thank goodness for therapists and grief groups to tend to such things. But how about us as a church? Imagine that as an icebreaker. What is your story of death? We are connected to each other as we try in faith to believe in God who stays and grieves, who resurrects, but never on our watch. And we are called to unbind, to unwrap the layers of death, the little deaths and the big death, and unwrap resurrection to set each other free in order that we may live. 
A well-known psychologist uses the image of a bench when talking about being present with your children through difficult times. This has helped me in my parenting, but I don't think it's limited to parenting. She says, challenges in life are like benches. Kids sit there and get stuck there in the hard stuff. And our work as parents is not to rush them along to get up off the bench right away, even though it's awkward for them to suffer, but to sit there with them, to be present, and to say, I'm glad we're talking about this. This is important. I believe you really feel this way. Tell me more. It is being present on the bench when there are more questions than answers. It is the unbinding work of human connection within the grief and unknowing. And this wise psychologist says, eventually kids will get up from the bench in their own time. Each time we gather, we hear a story, a living word that connects even for today, a word that comes to be with us, to convict us and to unbind us. Each time we hear Jesus' words, take and eat and drink, do this to remember me. We are swept up again in the mystery and marvel of birth and death and life and even resurrection. It will never be on our timeline, and it still comes. So take off your watch. Come and sit on the bench as we prepare to enter Holy Week. There's a place for you. God remains, even in the questions, even to the cross, to grieve with us and to save us as we unbind and live. Thanks be to God. Amen.